welcome to episode 11 of Superstates, Practices of Transformation, with me, your host, Joshua Peters. In each episode, we talk to world-class experts, industry leaders, revolutionary thinkers. They share with us latest information, research, tools, and then their own personal story to inspire us on our own journey of personal or professional growth. This week, I talk with Magdalena Knight. Magdalena is a professional cuddlist, a sex magician, and an urban tantra professional. Stay tuned to learn how to use these ecstatic states for personal growth. Here we go. Unlocking ecstatic states through tantra with Magdalena Knight. Welcome to Super States, Magdalena Knight. I'm I'm really excited to have you on here. Thank you so much for having me today, Joshua. And so, Magdalena, uh, you have a very interesting uh, a, a, a set of interests that are um, maybe some would say different than than what most people are you know doing with their life. So, uh, can you describe to me? What, how what you do can transform people's lives? I am a sex magician and a professional cuddlist uh, and practice urban tantra. And so I think that each of those has its own way to transform somebody's life. And um, certainly the practice of metaphysics and um, becoming a tantrika and exploring tantra um, in ecstatic states has led to my own transformation and metamorphosis. So I'm a living example of how it can do those things. I love, I love that. Like, and, and you're already bringing in the super state. So tell, tell me a little bit about how, how you got here. Like what, what was that journey for you? I worked in IT and telecom for 15 years, and I was kind of a rock star at what I did um, in the networking and and communications world. Um, but I felt myself really unfulfilled on the inside. I had a fantastic relationship. I was poly, was exploring myself in the kink community, and um, was really felt felt sort of empty. Right? I um, I was lacking something like purpose or meaning, um, you know, sort of like everything is going the way that I want it in life. Why do I still feel so uh, yeah. uh, unfulfilled on the inside? And I started to look at esoteric um, practices. I had felt something of a draw towards, um, you know, witchcraft and, and light work and energy work and things of this nature in my 20s and um, had been sort of ignoring it uh, and found a therapist who was also a shaman um, and kind of it po pointed me in the direction of energy work and metaphysics. And that's um, the folks that I went to learn energy with were also sex magicians. And so I talk about it like the old um, Reese's commercial, right? You've got sex magic in my energy work. You've got energy work in my sex magic. And now I really can't <laughs> tell the two apart anymore. <laughs> and so, and how long of a journey was that for you? Boy, uh, when my um, that when my non-binary teenager was born, so about fifteen years ago. Okay, and yeah. over. So you've been exploring these different uh, spiritual practices then for 15 years. Yeah. And now you're doing this work professionally. It's true. 
It's true. So, uh, did you what what led you to deciding to take this uh, to make this uh, be your your my occupation. the way that you make a living? Yeah, your yeah, occupation. like my sole focus. Um, I turned out I was really talented at it. Right, I um, I was kind of the protege of my uh, mentors. I really took to the whole concept of sacred sexuality, as well as, um, you know, I have something of a gift for hands-on healing. And um, I feel uh, like there was a part of me that was very vindicated, validated, found her stride um, as an educator, right? I um, I come mm -hmm. from a very intellectually motivated um, community and family. And so finding something that I was knowledgeable about as well as passionate about um, naturally, right? Why wouldn't I, you know, explore trying to make that my occupation? Um, as well as so much of what we practice in sacred sexuality has to do with truly embodying your authentic self, showing up how you are, however that is, flawed or otherwise, every time. Yeah. Um, there was something really to that for me of like really putting myself out there, really putting, you know, make, make the rubber meet the road and really kind of, you know, teaching from the table. Um, if I, uh, if, if sex magic were um, something that I could go and get uh, certified for, and if touching clients were the sort of thing that the ASECT had space for, um, I would be pursuing sexological body work, which is, um, there are folks like in Canada and, uh, you know, California, uh, you know, practicing this as a bona fide profession. And so um, in Michigan, we don't have, I would have to exist in this like legal gray area. And so, right. um, you know, this is where my life is. And so I've been growing where I plant, when I, where I was planted, you know, and um, doing the best that I could uh, in this space to, to be a sexological body worker without the credentialing to make that bona fide and legal, you know. Yeah. So what would you say has changed uh, about your work from when you first decided to go professional to to now? I've definitely mellowed out. Uh, one of the things that happened is we had a pandemic, right? I was, um, you know, working triple time at the beginning of pandemic, right? I had like a regular job and then I had my coaching job. Um, and then I, I, and then I had like a gig work job. Um, and so I was working triple time to not quite make ends meet. But if I had had one more client, I could have stopped working for other people and, um, and really made this my sole focus. So it was really close to, um, you know, kind of living the dream and, and teaching and embodying sex work and, or not sex work, but sex magic um, and Tantra and professional cuddling all of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we had a pandemic and, it, and that really changed the landscape of what it looked like to breathe on a stranger. I gaze with a stranger um, in a workshop in the woods, you know, for two or three years that wasn't even possible or ethical. Um, and so I've had to pivot, you know, and, uh, and do other things. Got it. And as far as, so, you know, we, you, we've brought up sex magic a couple of times and yeah, yeah. There, there's probably people that are listening to this that are like, I don't even know what that what is. What even does that mean? So it, it sounds really scary, but can you, can you give us a little bit of a sense on, 
on what that might mean for people that are or like, salacious, un, un, right? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I think people get very um, sort of like ooh about it, um, and it is using sex as if if magic is um, seeking to uh, change reality in some way, whether your personal reality or the meta reality that we share. Um, if that is what we consider magic, then sex is the, um, in sex magic, we use sex as the vehicle. That is the the battery or the energy behind that working. Hmm. Got it, got it. Yeah. And then how does that tie in with the the urban tantra? So tell us a little bit about urban tantra and what that tradition is, is like for you. So, um, Urban Tantra is a book that was written by uh, Barbara Corella. She also wrote another fantastic book called Ecstasy is Necessary. And so I was very much in the space of sacred sexuality um, and, and you know, feeling myself and, and really into the work when I found Urban Tantra. And there's many, many, many different flavors of Tantra. Um, one of the, I might be skipping ahead in your questions, but one of the things oh, that fine. I wish... Yeah could change in the world of Tantra is that it is very heterocentric and that it is very, um, uh, maybe not monocentric, but um, just very heterocentric, that it's very, um, there are sort of like girl tasks and a girl path and and boy tasks and a boy path. And um, Urban Tantra was one of the paths that had space for queer people and had space mm -hmm. for, um, you know, gender variance and, and um, just a different relationship with gender. Um, my I, um, the the folks that I started uh, learning um, sacred sex with uh, were very much a trans inclusive group, and so you know we were um, a subset of the kink community who were interested in energy um, and and trance states, super states, ecstatic states, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. just playing with what does it look like for us to send energy with our hands to you know um, beam energy with our eyes to you know um, and and just like in a hands-on sandboxy way do that, um, and then how do we do that in a gender affirming way, knowing that the person, my, my, you know, partner for this eye gaze is, um, you know, transgender or non-binary or, um, you know, not cis gendered um, and learning to give sacred touch, learning to touch the body in a way that is gender affirming, right? Planing the pecs in a way that either describes round, delicious breasts or flattens like pectorals, right? Mm -hmm. um, things of this nature where you can, you can affirm or you can unfortunately re-traumatize or, or um, you know, do a microaggression accidentally. And so being just very aware and very cognizant of this gender piece of, um, of sex magic is what drew me to um, urban Tantra. So yeah, long answer, short question. Yeah. Well, good. I will I'll make sure to put a, a link to that book as well in uh, in the show notes because it is a great uh, a great book on tantra in general. Indeed, yeah. You know, there's and a yeah. There's a whole section of the book which focuses on the erotic awakening massage, and in order to like um, graduate the the professional training seminar, you had to like the it's a lab, right? You had to do erotic awakening massage both on a male-bodied person and a, you know, on, on masculine genitals, on feminine genitals, and then on somewhere in between. Um, and there was no skips. There was, you know, in order to pass the seminar, you had to complete all three parts of the lab. Um, 
And so, you know, luckily that was one of the easiest parts of the class for me because it was not brand new territory. This was not a whole new sure. frontier, but for lots of the other participants, it was right for um, for some cis men to engage in uh, gender nonconforming genitals like it blew their mind. Right. It was it yeah. was not in their wheelhouse, not something that they'd experienced before. So. Well, I mean, if you're doing this kind of work, that's the sort of thing that you need to, you need some experience in. I mean, Indeed. It seems yes. really, um, it seems like a no brainer. And I can see how that would also blow somebody's mind if they've never been through yes. Yes. That, that kind of process before. Yes. So as you're, uh, where do you find inspiration or where do you like to to learn new things what's your favorite method of that wow that's a great question because i um i've asked myself that for a while and even pandemic sort of plateaued my learning um i am looking into uh tantra for women and by women um some other tantra gurus um that are indian um and and also referred to me by brandy williams who was at babylon rising which is where we met um and uh so yeah i'm still exploring where to find it i have um, my own sort of like cabinet of folks that keep me honest to my own um, path and my own karma and my own, you know, purpose, my will. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, where do I find inspiration where, where I can? Sometimes I have to source it on the inside. Um, I'm really, really fed by green spaces. I, um, I, you know, forest bathe uh, as often as I can. Um, and yeah, existing in nature helps a lot. What would you say? What would you say? Uh, someone in your industry, so you're in kind of this helping people awaken their own uh, their own sexuality, their their own really getting aware of their feelings in their body and and taking that out. Yes. What What would you say? Other people in your industry should either start doing or stop doing. Yeah, common misconception about a tantra is that it is all about sex. Um, I, uh, <coughs> pardon me. I, um, that is that is one of the things. For for the first ten or so years of my practice, I said no ten times as often as I said yes to taking on a client or taking on a seeker or taking on um, somebody because they really were only about the sex. How many orgasms and for how long? And um, you know, I feel like Sting did did Tantra a real a disservice when he talked about fucking for six hours or eight hours or whatever it was um, uh -huh. back in the back in the 80s right and so that if if you know one thing about tantra that's what you know and that's that's unfortunate um it is in fact a spiritual practice um my take on it is is kind of jungian right i feel like there is um a place where we are making our shadow conscious and once it is sort of exposed to the light it both um loses its power over us and that uh, therefore we can gain mastery over our shadow um and so that brings me to my my second point is that I wish more seekers had a good foundation in therapy. I wish more seekers had a toolkit of coping skills when they came to Tantra to deal with what exists in their shadow. 
um, uh, Tantra has a very sort of sexy allure. Um, the the marquee, you know, draws you in with like the ecstatic states and the and the fucking for six hours and the you know um, the the getting high on breath work, right? Um, and and all of those things are real and are true, um, but without that foundation of of really understanding yourself and knowing what your um, maladaptive patterns are and where, you know, your shadow gets in the way of your own excellence, your own intention, your own authenticity. Um, that's, I mean, you can, you can use Tantra to, to sort of, um, to transform those things and to get beyond those things. Um, but I, I would like for Tantra to not be the only skill. Yeah, I, I would, it's like, as you were talking there, I'm thinking of, even in, in my work, when we're, we start to, you start to stir things up sometimes yes. anyway, you start yes. to stir things up and yes. with what you're talking about, we're, we're talking about energy and, and getting energy to flow. And, and yes. usually like, this is what, this is what my mind says. Well, maybe it's not flowing because there were some blocks. So now when that energy yeah. is flowing, things are going to come up. Precisely. Precisely. I talk about it like stepping on a rake. You take a couple of steps into like intentionally working with your chakras and intentionally like trying to become the human that you think that you are. And then bam, there come, you know, you've stepped on the rake and here's all of your own bullshit. <laughs> I love that. All of, all of the things that you've been, you know, in a very physical and tantric way, south of the navel, we tend to push down our shame yeah. and our guilt and our fear and our lies. Each one of the chakras along, I mean, like all of them, but each one of the main seven that we talk about has like an obstacle or an, en an enemy to proper um, functioning. And like, you know, the root chakra, right where sex exists, um, right at the perineum, the, uh, the enemy of that is fear, right? And so if we're living a lot in fear, then we're not going to feel really glorious and really fulfilled and really expressed mm -hmm. in that chakra. And so it goes on up through the, through the chakra system, right? The enemy here is lies. Uh, you know, do we tell lies inside? Do we tell lies? How are we not being honest? Are we, are we maintaining illusion? And so the block in finding our own voice in life, in, in, you know, spirituality is, is dishonesty, right? So I think that it's all, um, it makes a lot of sense once you start to unpack it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my mind's just spinning as, as you're talking. Like, of course, I take it back to my my own experience and and my own life um who do you uh, who, do you have a mentor now or do you have uh I, I know you you worked with the author of uh that book yeah you repeat her name again barbara corellis barbara corellis and yep. is barbara can still a mentor of yours she, um, she's, uh, I'm happy to say closer to a friend. There's a professional training group that we all, you know, once you've graduated the program, um, that you have access to, I've been able to work with some of the other urban Tantra graduates on some of my own business planning and things like that, right up until pandemic, which caused a great pause for me, really. I lost my mother as well. And so I intentionally, um, backburnered my practice and said, you know, I'm going to take a year off and just be a human being who's grieving 
everything. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on spiraling my way back into the practice and figuring out what that looks like for me. Um, so yeah, Barbara still runs Urban Tantra um, training retreats. And I've thought about going back like for a tune-up as well as to see what I could offer the group of, of sure. new, um, you know, trainees and, and graduates. Um, I stay really close with some of the other teachers from that um, program. Melina Williams really inspires me. This is a question you asked me earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. She's the kink doula, kinkdoula.com. She's a oh. woman of color who okay. um, is in a consensual master slave relationship with um, like a, a um, national uh, treasure. Her husband is a composer, Austrian composer and, mm -hmm. um, and, world celebrated type of thing. And so now they are living the life of their dreams, jet setting around and she's yeah. speaking about, you know, consensual slavery and living your best kink life. And he's composing music for, you know, adoring audiences and things. So um, that's Molina Williams. And I've been following her um, since before I really understood myself as, you know, a sexual healer or yeah. any type of educator. Um, Let's see. And then she she uh, gives the the kink and and power exchange portion of uh, the urban tantra training seminar. Okay. Um, yeah. New question. Um, what was my next question for you? You you just spun me down a whole nother well another whole nother uh, area yeah. of of interest. Like, oh, let's let's look at that. But but I wanted to ask you. Uh, before we get too far, because we didn't even really talk about what the what the cuddling aspect is. Okay, sure, uh, sure. Um, before I discovered Tantra, I am what's called a Kadishti. And um, that is uh, probably what I'll write my book about. <laughs> uh, because it is hard to research and hard to find documentation on the Kadishti movement. And so um, we're followers of the goddex, goddess, Kadesh, um, often depicted in hermaphroditic or gender um, neutral okay. ways, um, which is part of why, you know, the gender sort of um, rabbit hole that I've gone down. Um, and uh, right, so as a Kadishti, um, primarily we are dealing with, you know, Kadishti level one path of the Kadishti POTQ. Um, was uh, a program where you understood boundaries. You learned um, things like energetic hygiene, how to raise energy, how to ground energy, how to understand my energy versus your energy, how to mm -hmm. right really operate yourself as an energetic being, um, and then doing this thing that we call sacred touch. And I've seen it uh, trained in other modalities as something like ecstatic hands, energetic hands, um, but we do a ceremony called the scar sanctuary um, where a minimum of two givers on each receiver we call you a seeker um, you come in you are disrobed um, we ask you about your boundaries is there anywhere on your body that you would prefer to not be touched um, is there anything specifically that you came here to seek um, and so these sacred touch ceremonies uh, were sort of part and parcel to my early energy work and my early um, priestess um, or or you know, ministry as, as a practitioner. Um, and so, uh, and then Path Kadishti 2 was other uh, experienced Kadishti um, 
taking an area of interest and kind of doing, um, you know, a train the trainer um, type of workshop where we did our own little deep dive on uh, on a topic of sacred sexuality or um, sexual freedom or erotic awakening um, and, and looked at how does that interface with today's society and, and how could we as healers um, help. And so mine was um, aging. I did sex and aging um, and interviewed somebody, another priestess who worked in like a geriatric psychiatric facility. And what does sexual freedom look like for the, you know, patients there? And what are the kinds of ethical things that come up with geriatric psych folks trying to live their best erotic awakened life. Um, so yeah, so uh, <laughs> again, way, way, I'm sure off topic, but. Well, I mean, it's just, they're, they're just different things that we don't really think about very often. Mm -hmm. I mean, but, but mm -hmm. they're all just parts of the, the human experience really. And absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about erotic awakening and, and I, when I think of that, uh, I, I, it's, it feels or seems like you need to be in the same room with somebody. So when you're working with people, are you, is this a, is this a in-person kind of thing that you do with them? That is strenuously my preference. And that is what caused the big calibration and the big pivot when, yeah. when pandemic happened, I can no longer travel um, to, I wasn't sure that, you know, eye gazing over a webcam worked. I wasn't sure that, you know, if I'm inhaling while you're exhaling, does the cycle, does that wheel of energy really work over uh, zoom and stuff like that? Um, I did have actually a Tantra client who he was both um, a Kadesh, a Kadeshi client, as well as a, a Tantra client. Pardon me that I took, um, that I met at Babylon Rising and we uh, almost exclusively had our coaching uh, relationship over webcam. But I think that that was, you know, because we started with this sort of like in-person uh, rapport. Um, I've, I'm running a conflict resolution workshop in a couple of weeks, um, which is specifically about um, anti-racist work and addressing white privilege and going to take place in an intentionally like trans-inclusive anti-racist space um, on women's land. And so I'm doing it online to test the online format because okay. I am so accustomed to an in-person workshop and I do so much better when I can read everybody's energy in the room by literally just looking around. Um, it is a little more cumbersome doing these things online, but it's possible. Yeah. Like I, I think of when I met you, it was in a breath work uh, workshop uh -huh. and the ability to connect with you there was much different than if it would have been like an online thing for sure. And, and yes. I definitely got a sense like I, I, what I really appreciated about you was your energy was very calm and just solid. And you could, you could get that just by basically by being around you. <laughs> and, and it's much harder sometimes to, to get those types of experiences in a, in an online sort of way. I agree. I agree. Um, I've been blessed to experience that where, where you step into somebody's like zone and you can just feel kind of the, the yeah. energetic calm that surrounds them. And, um, and so that's, that's really cool. Thank you. That's a, it's a really high 
gift and high praise. Um, I, I think it's possible online, you know, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know that I have a lot of comment to that other than okay. thank you. <laughs> so based on uh, everything that you've learned uh, on your experiences, what is a, what's a practical way someone could use a, a, mm. a, maybe, maybe a simple technique that you know from the, the Tantra uh, toolbox yeah. to, uh, to improve their life? Awesome. Uh, breathing, intentional breathing. Um, so much of tantric practices involve the breath where attention goes, energy flows. And so simply by pegging attention to areas of your body and breathing into them, um, you will both, you know, invigorate, energize those areas because you're paying attention and where attention goes, energy flows. And so if you are breathing on purpose into your elbow or into your pinky or into you know, your left ear lobe, you're going to feel that area more. Um, and so that's, that's a, a place to begin. And what would they do if they were breathing into that part of their body? Like what would be the intention behind that? Sure. Um, a lot of times um, you, you it, let me see. What is one of the reasons that you could do that? To breathe, um, both to circulate and to like raise energy, to generate energy, um, either to prepare for um, some sort of sex magic ritual or even just to um, the same way that breath uh, cleanses out our spiritual system by running sex energy, um, or chi by circulating that chi intentionally through our chakras. We can, uh, kind of clear out the silt, clear out the, the old things, bring in new, um, it can be, you know, energizing or rejuvenating. Um, you can do it literally just because it's a good idea, or you can do it with the intention of becoming very energized and sort of like, putting that energy somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there any risks that someone would need to know before they start to explore these kinds of ideas? Uh, just listen to your body, right? There's, there doesn't have to be a goal. Um, and you don't have to get to a really, really high ecstatic state in order for it to be successful. Even just 10 deep breaths, um, means that you've done a good thing. Yeah. So often we forget about breathing <laughs> for sure and it's for sure and it's such a simple thing absolutely what do you what's what's giving you hope about the future of using these types of ecstatic states or these super states for for growth whether you know that's personal growth or or really any kind of growth the good news is there's lots of work still to be done um it's been a difficult three years uh, you know, coming through pandemic and coming back into community and coming back into um, workshops and festivals and things like that. Um, we've all gone a little feral and we've all gotten um, really isolated. And so, you know, what's exciting to me is that these are tools for connection, either becoming more intimate with yourself, more intimate with others, more intimate with your community, uh, more unguarded, um, more free and and, you know, re your relationship with the divine, however that shows up for you, you know, that's what these tools are there for. And so, you know, the, the good news is, is that these tools have been here since before pandemic and continue to be here for us. I love that. 
And so uh, if somebody wants to learn more about you, what's the best way to do that? I am on Instagram as Dakini Detroit. You can find me on Facebook as Magdalena Knight. Um, and I think that's the best way to find me. Great. I will make sure to put links to both of those, as well as all the books and, and different things that we've talked about in the show notes. And to, to, to leave here, Magdalena, what's, what's the one the one insight or piece of knowledge that you want the listening audience to leave with today? Mm, your body contains lots of wisdom um, and that uh, pleasure is a birthright, is a human right. I love that. Thank you so much for, for joining me here today. Uh, really appreciate your time and, and your wisdom and the knowledge that you have to share. Thank you so much for having me again. If you're still here, that means you stayed for the whole episode. Thank you so much for listening in and, and supporting the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because that is the best way that's going to expand the message and expand the reach of this show. And it would really mean a lot to both me and to my guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite app or on YouTube so that you can stay up to date with Super States. And also, let me know what topics or guests you'd like me to cover in future episodes. You can just get in touch with the comments below, or you can find me on most social media platforms out there at Joshua Ray, R-E-Y, Peters. Don't be shy. I will answer your questions. I'll see you at all next week. And remember, you carry the seeds of transformation within. Stay flexible, keep growing, and embrace your transformation. Mm -hmm.